Hello, GEO members and listeners. My name is Isam Al-Kuvagli, and I'm a PhD student, study education, and today I am joined with Carla Annachiketa, the president of the Graduate Employee Organization. This episode is special in many senses. It is published on the same day where our contracts expire, the 15th, the eighth month of the year, 2022. Unlike other episodes that you have listened to probably, where the lead negotiators are invited to speak about the bargaining session and how it went, this episode will be slightly different. First, I will give a brief overview of the session that was led by our colleagues, Leslie and Sam, and then I will transition to a conversation with the GEO presidents, my bosses, despite the fact that we're all volunteers, Nachiqueira and Carla. The episode will cover questions about our union, its importance, the meaning of our contract's expiration, and the pillars that we're fighting for, the pillars that we're, we're willing to sacrifice our time for and die for. Um, so this is going to be a brief, short monologue. The, on the 11th of uh, this month, the union met with the UIC administration for a three-hour bargaining session, and Leslie uh, Owens from English and Sam Froyland from History were the lead negotiators. And one of the highlights of this session is that Unlike last sessions where there's no progress in terms of the questions that the administration asks and we answer them and they're not happy about the answers, this time the administration was uh, relatively happy, was very relatively calm. Uh, they did not agitate, they did not ask question, uh, too, too many questions, they just moved on and on and on. And so Sam and Leslie have managed to answer all the administration's questions and we are done with their questions. So this is a big feat for us that we, five months ago, we handed our contract to them and now they just finished asking us questions. So we will discuss what that means later at the end of the episode. The things that uh, Sam and Leslie have discussed in the bargaining session, uh, a lot of the questions from previous sessions such as childcare, why are we asking the university to provide childcare facilities for graduate workers uh, so they can you know, enroll their kids. Um, and then also issues of health and safety in terms of disasters, such as the pandemic that we have witnessed, uh, shootings that we would love to have a non-police response, um, and many other things. The, all of this information you can read in much more detail than I can uh, on the GEOL, which is the letter that we send after the bargaining session, which is where you probably found this episode. Just make sure you read it and see what's up. Now, I would like to transition to the presidents, Carla and Nachiqueda. Um, a couple of years ago, we had this thing before I was a student here. It's called GEO Speaks, where officers and you know presidents, they post a video of themselves talking about what they do. And so this is going to be slightly similar, but the negation of it. And here's what I mean by the negation. Sometimes people say, uh, when they invite a guest, who is Mustafa? Who is Muhammad, right? Who is Maryam? No. Uh, we're asking the opposite of that. So, Nachiqueda, we're going to start with you. Who is not Nachiqueda? Okay. Um, thanks, Assam. Uh, so, let me let me answer your question. Who is not Nachiqueda? So, first of all, I would say Nachiqueda is not Carla. <laughs> and to sort of respond to something you said in the beginning, I am not your boss. I am not anyone's boss. Uh, I am mm. just... Um, an organizer and a volunteer in this organization, like so many other people. Uh, it says co-president, but the co-president doesn't really sort of order people around or decide things that way. We we take collective decisions and we 
we make sure our decisions are sort of aligned to the collective goals of the organization and this year one of our main goals is to win a strong contract for all graduate workers on this campus um another thing that i am not is um i am not someone who believes in sort of protesting for the sake of protesting or vilifying people based on ideologies or identities i believe that we can talk to people and work with people who come from many different backgrounds and many different sort of socio political experiences and as long as we have some shared goals that we are working towards i think we can work together with people to achieve these these shared goals and that's one of the things that we are trying to do this year is reach out to all graduate workers on campus and everyone who is interested in the future of higher education to work together to win a strong contract so that we win the protections that we need So maybe just a quick follow-up question. So what are you against? What are some of the things that you're against? Because the negation of Carla, uh, the negation of Nachiquera. <laughs> Prepare yourself, Carla, for the same question. Yes, I will. <laughs> wow. Okay. What are some of the things I'm against? One of some of the things I'm against are obviously I'm against um, imperialism, but more specifically in the context of the university, I'm against the what we call. the neoliberalization of the university which is what has been happening over the last few decades where uh, the workers of the university including graduate workers faculty members postdocs lecturers adjuncts um, service workers facilities workers all of us are getting paid less and less compared to how much it costs to to work here to study here to live here whereas we are seeing a bloat in administration and mm-hmm. bosses and all of these different deans and all of these different sort of you know supervisor supervisors and managers who are sort of not really contributing to the educational mission of the university but just pocketing a lot of money and investing all of all of this money that the university gets into hedge funds and into building these fancy buildings without giving all of us the the basic things that we need to live and and to work and to study so that's that's certainly one of the things i'm against and that's one of the things that we are trying to to slow down and hopefully reverse in the future by winning uh, strong protections for graduate workers. Thank you for that deep answer and I have so much to say about imperialism but maybe we should dedicate <laughs> about uh, an episode for the education and imperialism yes. especially the idea of outsourcing and so forth. Now there's a person sitting next to you and that is Carla. Carla, who is not Carla? Hello everyone. Um thanks Esam for a curious question. Um definitely Esam is that is something definitely something that defines Esam and his very particular way of of navigating communications and propaganda. We're super grateful to have someone like Esam and his vision in the union Thank most you. definitely. Um so who is not Carla? Carla is not a traditional scholar. Um similar to Nachiquera, uh I've been organizing for nearly 10 years of my life. So I'm not the scholar that just publishes things for less than 1% of the population to read. I don't believe similar to Nachiquera as well in the corporate model of education that basically leaves our labor to the mercy of profit and basically makes us numbers for our own exploitation. Um also similar to Nachiquera even though I'm not <laughs> Nachiquera, I'm not from the US either. I was born and raised in Puerto Rico, which is a colony of the US. And one last thing that I don't believe in, I don't believe in spontaneous um spontaneous or individual actions because if we all have 
collective problems, right? If we all suffer from not being able to pay our rent on time, not having enough money to buy our groceries or to support our family and our loved ones, collective problems cannot afford individual solutions. They need collective solutions as well. So that's a little bit about who Carla is not. So the question of our time that I always tell uh, fellow graduate students when I'm trying to force them, threaten them, I'm joking, I don't threaten anybody <laughs> to sign cards, is uh, to highly encourage them, highly encourage them, <laughs> or coerce them, whatever, is to sign a card and tell them that uh, the idea that our contract expires. So uh, the union, uh, which you know supports graduate workers uh, on campus, uh, particularly TAs and GAs, um, that we have a contract with the university for the past five years, and there are certain clauses in it, articles in it, that guarantee certain things. Right now, the, expi uh, the, the contract has expired, meaning like today, it's, it's, you know, it's an expired contract. What does that mean for us graduate workers, TAs and GAs? Well, so what we would say technically, and the university administration has hammered this home again and again, is that the collective bargaining agreement has reached its expiration date. So what that means is that the contract is still in some sense in force. Many of the provisions of the contract are still in force. For example, we still get the 87% healthcare uh, waiver that we get. We still have certain protections. We still have the wage, the minimum wage guaranteed by the contract. We are still able to file grievances. But in practice, what that means is we don't get, we don't get raises anymore because there are no raises past the expiration date of this of the contract that are in that contract and many of the grievances that 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 graduate workers have are don't actually reach their conclusion because the administration is not interested in in dealing with them at all and so what what happens now is essentially we don't get raises and we don't I mean, in the sense that we could get raises if the university wanted to give them to us but of course it's one of these standard anti-union tactics to not give uh, workers represented by unions wages when the contract expires so they haven't given TA's wages uh, TA's raises this year and that's one of the things we don't get now that the contract has expired so one thing that I brought up last session uh, when Carla and I were the guests and Ben was the host is that the university learns from other labor movements such as Starbucks and what's going on uh, what Starbucks did is that those who are non-union members gave them a raise, right? And the, and the union members, they didn't give a raise. So they created kind of what is commonly called labor division to dissuade people from joining the union. That's one thing. The other thing that the university has done is that they give 3.5 raise. You have heard about this raise, yes? Who does that apply to? Apply to? And I have a follow-up question afterwards. Yeah. Um, can you yeah. talk so, a little bit more about that? So the university has given a... I think it varies according to departments, but the minimum wage for RAs has gone up from 19,300 to 19,900. I believe that is a 3.5%, but it's it's somewhere around that percent. And that's, that's so RAs are not in the bargaining unit of the GEO, so that's what we call the BU. RAs are not in the BU. TAs and GAs, teaching assistants and graduate assistants, are in the BU. They are the ones covered by the contract that the GEO negotiates with the university. So whatever minimum wage we negotiate with the university that applies to TAs and GAs. However, because the university likes to keep everything same across the board, they apply that same minimum wage to RAs as well, which is why the minimum wage for RAs last year was 19,300, which is the GEO minimum wage. Mm -hmm. However, this year, RAs have received a raise from 19,300 to 19,900, whereas TAs and GAs have not received a raise. And the university's uh, explanation for that is because the current contract is being negotiated with, T with GEO, for some reason, they can't give them a raise at all. But that's just 
like I said, it's just a standard anti-union tactic, which like, like you said, Starbucks has also done. And uh, I would like to sort of point out a technicality there. It's not that they ha- they don't give benefits to union members, but rather they don't give benefits to workers represented by unions. So for example, even, even, even in our situation, there are lots of TAs on campus who are not GEO members, mm. but they are treated the same way as all the GEO members because they are represented by the GEO. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. And this is because of Janus' uh, case that happened in 2018, no? Well, that is slightly different. So the Janus case in 2018 was about whether uh, people who are not members but are still represented by the union have to pay dues or not. Oh, yes. Yep. So that so the Janus case is... So basically right now, if you're not a GEO member, but you're a TA or a GA, you get all of the benefits of being in the... Of, of the GEO's representation, but you don't have to pay any dues. And that was, that was a decision that was a severe blow to unions uh, across the country, but especially also the GEO, because that means that there are lots of... There's lots of stuff that the GEO has to do and that there are lots of people uh, on campus who get the benefits of, of the GEO being there but they don't have to pay any dues and that that severely limits like our financial sort of stability uh, for whatever organizing we want to do. Yeah, but regardless, um, what you said, Nachiquera, and your question is, um, it's all rooted in the same problem, right? Like the university, for example, when they give these raises to RAs, which is a very miserable raise. When you think about 3.5 increase, when we're talking about 9% inflation, 3.5 increase, it's like basically nothing, right? Um, but in addition, with somebody which, that you have said also, Asam, in, in other shows, but in addition to that, they're making these RAs believe that you don't need a union in order to get a raise. The university will generously give it to you, right? Similar to what motivated, uh, unfortunately, a union member from from AFSCME uh, in, in the Janus decision to believe, oh, I can individually by my own try and get better races for myself because I don't need collective action, right? And the importance of, of being in a union, in particular a union in, in like the GEO in this sense, is it's not only about the benefits that Nachiquera has said, right? Because we do need better conditions for us to actually um, work for a living instead of living for our work, right? And to have dignifying conditions. But it's also what does the GEO has represented in terms of increasing the quality and access of public education in the U.S., right? Uh, and how an institution like the GEO makes public education accessible, makes the te- the courses that we teach to undergrads of better quality, because if your teachers are getting well paid, um, as we say to undergrads, right? Your learning conditions are dialectically and connected to our working conditions as TAs, right? So we also need to think about not only the institution of the GEO as a union as a very important mechanism for workers to have a better quality of life, but also our commitment and our responsibility as workers to improve our workspace so that at one point in the history of the U.S., we can have accessible public education for all the working class in this country. Mm. Yeah, and and so my biggest issue with this 3.5% raise is that if people look at the historically what the union has been getting, they'll be like, well, this is the same uh, same raise and this is, has been given us generously without the need for strike, without need to agitate the administration. They just give it to us because of the kindness of their heart that you know they saw inflation very high. They said, let's give 3.5%. And so it's a way to kind of really 
I hate to use that word, but I use it often in, in informal settings, sterilization of political feistiness, right? So when people are angry and then you slap them with 3.5, you have always like a bunch of people who step down and be like, well, at least we got a raise. We should at least be grateful. And the university has a history of doing that with certain departments that are well-funded by the federal government or the state department or whatever. Uh, and, and so they have enough income, the graduate students, that they don't care about joining the union. They don't care about collective solidarity. They don't care about those who are receiving the minimum wage, right, which is barely a living. Right now, it's not even a living wage. So, um, so now I'm going to transition to something that we are proposing, right, which is a contract, a contract that we have sent to them five months ago. And we just finished with their Q&A sessions. Our contract, before we, uh, we wrote it down, we sent an email, mass email, to, to graduate employee organization members, right, and told them, what are the most important things for you? You know, just like in Islam, there are five pillars. You know, the GEO for this contract, we have three pillars. And I know that Chiqueta is laughing, but <laughs> that's not a joke. We still, we have three pillars, the things that we are centering most of our work on, what is centering our contract. So what are those three pillars? Um, so we have three main pillars, access and justice, wages and waivers, and health and safety. And as you said, Islam, one of our main um, values as a union is democracy, and we just didn't made up these pillars, right? We surveyed our members back in October of 2021. We got over 1,000 responses in that survey, and we collectively analyzed that survey and decided, okay, these are the three pillars that we're constantly going to keep in mind whenever we receive a counterproposal from the administration to win uh, these issues. And when we talk about access and justice, we're talking about specifically increasing uh, our non-discrimination clause and more non-discrimination or anti-harassment um, protections, including better uh, accommodations for um, multilingual speakers of English and international students that have to take a lot of English proficiency requirements for teaching. Wages and waivers, we want wages above uh, inflation. We don't want a 3.5% <laughs> raise. And we also do not want to pay any fees every semester, right? Approximately every, every year, one over $1,000 of our salary goes back to the university. And that's basically the university robbing us from our money, right? We shouldn't be, we should get uh, paid to do our work instead of paying to work. Um, and lastly, health and safety is something that we learned um, during the pandemic is the importance of accessible health care for all workers, particularly in a country that many of the working class survives with um, health care. Actually, 41 percent of households and individuals in this country have some sort of medical debt. And we need the university to guarantee year round health care for all graduate workers, regardless if they have an appointment or not, and additional protections for health and safety measures, given the fact that with the conditions of climate change, we're gonna have more natural disasters in the upcoming years and wanna be fully protected when confronting those disasters. And one of the things uh, that I really appreciated was um, in the, our contract proposal in terms of justice and access, because those terms, they tend to be so um, enigmatic. Um, it's kind of also like populist terms that are used by leftists, right? Despite the fact that we might fall into that category, but that's a different topic, <laughs> is the issue of immigration. Uh, for example, uh, Nachiquera and I, if we, all of a sudden, our countries, India and Libya, are not liked by the U.S. and we were sanctioned, just like many countries are sanctioned from the global south, who, you know, uh, students uh, find it hard for the, harder to get access to a visa, 
And, you know, sometimes they uh, get accepted into the university, they get an offer letter for the job, and then when they apply, uh, there are visa complications, such as denial or, uh, sorry, rejection or, um, or postponement, like further uh, examination of an application. And so what the GO is fighting for is that if a person has been accepted and offered a position, that position should be done remotely, done in an alternative way, something else should be, you know, provided for that person. It's not because of the imperialist tendencies of this country should prohibit a student from becoming part of the university. And so there's also a question of how inclusive the university is and how much it's willing to fight for uh, the diversity that it speaks about. Like, can it actually provide these things? So we shall see what uh, the administration offers us in the next session. So anything else, Nachiketa, you want to add about these three pillars? For international students, we also have the, the proposal that uh, the service fee for international students will get reimbursed by the university for, for graduate workers. So I think that is another thing that has to do with access, especially in the context of international students, apart from the, the, the stuff you mentioned and also the, the English proficiency requirements related stuff that Carla mentioned. And especially for, I think, as, uh, in terms of uh, health and safety, one of the new things we've added is the mental health care uh, section in the contract. And we've I've been noticing this and like I've been hearing from many people that people are struggling a lot with mental health problems, especially in the mm -hmm. wake of the pandemic. And I think that is... There is something really important, as especially considering the sort of the the chronic short staffing that that's a, that exists in the counseling center and uh, even in McKinley. So I think that is something that we really need to address going forward. So I, I'm really glad that the GEO is proposing this and that we are trying to we are trying to fight for better mental health care for graduate workers. Yeah, and there is a dark history of this of this university with students. Uh, with mental uh, health issues. So uh, I encourage our listeners to go check it out, like very serious stuff. Um, thank you for that. Now we'll transition to the last segment. The contract has expired, right? The, uh, Rob Craddock, the uh, lead negotiator from the administration side, told us that in the next bargaining session on the 25th of this month, uh, they will provide us with a counter proposal. They did not say it's going to be comprehensive, meaning just like ours, the 37 pages, it's going to be the Close same. Close to 40, more than 40. Okay, let's just say 40. Round it up to the nearest <laughs> digits, right? Um, that we don't know, but we shall see. So we are, uh, you know, suspense, uh, biting our nails. Not really. For those who do, they do. But the next bargaining session is going to be in person at the Illini Union. Very central to campus. A lot of buses can take you there and accessible. And it's going to be on the 25th of this month from 11 o'clock a.m. to 1 p.m. So it's a two-hour bargaining session. What else is happening on that day? Um, thanks, Assam. Yeah, this is a very, very, very important session that we're asking all of our members to take the time and attend. Because it's so important, we're actually going to have a rally and protest one hour before the start of the session at 10 a.m. We want to see several hundreds of people um, joining us um, from the Illini Union, particularly the area that goes from the main quad. More information about the protest will be shared in the GOL that you're going to receive uh, today as well. And it's very important to participate in person because we're going to, we want Rob to see that we're serious in getting a proposal 
that we are tired of not being able to receive a proposal during the last uh, several couple of negotiation sessions. And we want Rob to have to look at us in the eye from the, on behalf of the university administration and tell us all the things that, according to him, the university cannot give us because, quote unquote, they have less money because of the pandemic, which is false. The university received over $600 million of state appropriations from the state of Illinois this past year. Um, and we want to have Rob see that we're serious, that we're putting the pressure up, and that we are demanding a full comprehensive proposal and we're mobilizing our membership to do so. So please attend starting at 10 a.m. from the Illini Union. Right, and so this is a physical commitment. It's, we would love to have people to come in person, but some people have classes, some people have work, some people are traveling. And so what can these people do if they cannot be there in person? So if, if the issue is specifically about entering the building, I think people can definitely attend the protest because that's going to be outside the building. And we really need a lot of people to attend the protest. And the protest, by the way, is the bargaining session in the session itself, only GEO members can attend. But the protest, anyone can attend. If you're a TA, if you're an RA, if you're an undergrad, if you're a faculty member, if you're just a person who lives in this area and would like to go to a protest, the protest is for everyone. So we would encourage everyone who can make it to the protest to go to the protest. If you can't make it to the protest, we have several things going on uh, this week and the next and specifically the week of the 25th. We are uh, doing tabling. So we, we set up tables at various locations on campus where we talk to graduate workers and tell them about the contract expiring and tell them about uh, ways that they can get involved. We have office visits so you can visit people in their offices. So for example, in your department, if you know that there are people who are graduate workers who would benefit from a better contract, you can go talk to them. And you can tell them about becoming GEO members. You can tell them about what's going on with bargaining. You can tell them to listen to this podcast. There are uh, several things we're doing related to phone banking and calling up people, texting people. So for example, when we have this protest, when we have this bargaining session, in the days leading up to that protest and bargaining session, we will need to call people up and we will need to text people in order to tell them, hey, there's this really important protest. We need you to be there. We need people to make signs for the protest. We need people to help out the bargaining team with all of the stuff that's happening during the bargaining session, which for which you don't necessarily have to be at the session. You can help out with a bunch of research. You can help out with preparing arguments. You can help out with a lot of things before the session and right after the session as well. One of the things that we do after the session is writing our session summaries to send out to people. You can take a look at those. You can help in preparing those. Um, those are just some of the things that people who can't attend the session or people who, who don't want, who can't be there or who don't want to be there, but who want to help out in other ways can help out. And, uh, Carla, do you want to add any? Yeah, basically that, I mean, the possibilities of participating are endless. Uh, as Nachiquera said, uh, it is very, very important to have as many people as possible as we can, because there is strength in numbers, but the GEO is a democratic organization that depends on the labor of ourselves as graduate workers. And as Nachiquera said, there are several things that you can do to help us in getting that full comprehensive proposal on the 25th, uh, if you cannot be in the session. But again, we highly, highly encourage you to participate in the session. And it's very, it's very exhilarating, right? I mean, being being in the caucus room, seeing the negotiators live, seeing Rob Craddock's face live. I mean, it's an experience that you won't, won't forget. I mean, like, why wouldn't you go in person if you can go in person? Exactly. Yeah. Well, thank you both. I really appreciate getting to know you and not know you. Um, <laughs> hopefully, it will, I'll have you, uh, you know, next, you know, maybe episode if you're lead negotiators. 
We'll see. But thank you so much I, for this I have episode. I a question for you. And then add. Yes, your question. Who is not Assam? <laughs> the suspense. We'll leave that to listeners next episode. <laughs> Maybe. We'll see. Okay. okay. Thank you all. See you on the 25th. Um, oh, yeah. Thanks, Assam. And thanks, Carla. And especially thanks to uh, the lead negotiators from last time, Sam and Leslie, who, yes, ma- who managed woo-hoo. to get through the entire contract and managed to finally shut up Rob. And also, like, all of all of the bargaining team and all of the GO people who have been involved in the entire bargaining process so far. Right. Yeah, no, um, note-takers, uh, people who take body language notes, everything. Uh, people who do research to help us with stuff, like, what is the Big Ten, you know, the difference between us and the Big Ten universities. All of these things they acquire, you know, uh, almost what is commonly called invisible labor, right, to produce the things that we want to see. And so oh, that is a much needed thing so if you know a friend who is like have some free time invite them over for these uh, sessions or make them contact us so yeah that's it thank you very much and please share this episode we're not asking for donations yet uh just make sure that you're listening and you're sharing it with your friends and colleagues and uh send them a geo card so they become members thank you and long live the struggle